Now I want you to turn with me to your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. I am old enough to make decisions in my heart that regardless of what somebody else comes up with, if it's good, I'm not going to shy away from it. And I think in our desire to be separated and to be scriptural and biblical, we are afraid of anybody's idea who is not of our camp. You got to be, you need to be careful about that. I am not going to quit driving a Toyota because somebody else thinks the minivan is cooler. I don't need anybody to lead me around by the nose. God has a tremendous plan for me. And I would be less a man if I should allow anybody to deter me from that plan. So in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 2 tonight, I want to just preach to you till the game starts. And I think it's starting about 10. Somebody said, well, we'll turn out the lights. I won't be here. Listen to this. Man, this, this is wonderful. Chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Do you remember back when you were dead to anything that was godly? That you were wrapped up in the trespasses and sins and enjoying every one of them. Verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You ever remember doing that? Dancing to the devil's music. Going to the devil's haunts and hangouts. Thinking like the devil's crowd. Looking like the devil's crowd. Consuming Everything the devil had for you. (coughs) Didn't buck the system. But jumped in the canoe of the tide of this old world. And floating down life's highway to destruction. You remember when you were doing that? Walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, notice Paul changes from ye to we. Now what you need to do in your Christian life is to remember that at one time you were a ye. And get off your spiritual high horse and realize that they're exactly where you used to be. And were not it for God's wonderful grace, you'd be there too. Where in we, I like that, all had our conversation in times past 
in the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. I'm glad I don't live back there. What worries me is when supposedly Christians can be happy living back there. Satisfied. Professing to know the Lord. Professing to be alive in Christ. Professing to have new life from heaven. And we walk as we did in times past. Oh, how hurting that must be to our Lord. I like this, but God. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins hath quickened or made us alive together with Christ by grace you're saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Did you get the full intent of that? Notice verse 6. And hath. If you hath had your dinner. You should not be hungry. And hath is past tense. Hath means it's already taken place. Hath. Raised us up. You like that? You said, I wonder if I'm going to be in the resurrection. No, you already have been raised. And hath raised us up together. I don't know. I like that. I'm an old man, I guess. And made us to sit where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. But Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father this evening. And I am in Christ. Now you need to hang on to this because some folks are just going to get clabbered when I tell you this. I am in Christ. Christ is in heaven. Seated at the right hand of God the Father. You mean to tell me I'm already in heaven? All I got to do is wake up and realize it one day. You say, oh, that's baloney. But it is good, high quality baloney. (laughs) Nothing shabby about that baloney. That's the real thing, man. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. We don't realize how good God is. Boy, but one of these days we will. One of these days we'll we'll realize the riches of his grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Does anybody believe that? Can anybody tonight grab a hold of these scriptures and say, Hey man, hallelujah, thank God I'm saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now I suppose if you were to take all the scriptures out of the word of God, you would not find any as intimate, any as precious, any as uplifting, any as encouraging as the scriptures we just read. There's not a child of God tonight that's been saved and washed in the blood of Christ. But what they should not grab a hold of those verses and say, Amen, Amen, Hallelujah, I'm saved, I'm saved. Thank God I'm no longer walking in my sins. Thank God I'm no longer wallowing in the hog pen of this world. Thank God I'm different now. Thank God grace has entered my life. Thank God I'm saved, not of works, because there was nothing in me worth saving. But thank God I'm saved. Now, many of you tonight would die for these verses. 
you find in these verses such doctrine as eternal security. You find in these verses about a vicarious redemption. Somebody dying for somebody else, paying somebody else's debt. Uh, You find in these verses precious things. How many tonight would say, preacher, I believe those verses with all my heart. Can I give you another one? For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto anything you feel like doing after you've been saved. Created unto good works. Which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. Now, if you don't believe that one, throw the other ones out. God didn't save us for us to do our own thing. You are living a God-ordained life. You are not any longer in charge. You were in charge when you were dead in trespasses and sins. You were in charge when you were on your way to hell as sure as the world. You were in charge when you were wallowing in the hog pens of this old world, following the prince and powers of this world, doing what he did. But no, you are no longer dead. You are no longer walking in those things. You are ordained of God unto good works that you should walk in them. A few years ago, a liberal Baptist by the name of Rick Warren. And to protect liberal is not a good word in these days. Progressive Baptist. Wrote a book entitled, Living a Purpose Driven Life. He sold millions of copies. I wish I had have thought of that myself. I thought about it. Even preached about it. But nobody addressed it. He writes a book and everybody says, oh, that's the greatest book in the world. Now, I'm going to change the word so you won't accuse me of plagiarism. I want to talk to you about living a purpose-given life. Everything I got is a gift from God. And I just believe with all of my heart that God ordained the way that I should walk. I've been watching golf today. I'd like to quit watching golf. But I'm not going to. Because I think God ordained this. I actually believe tonight... That God has a specific person, purpose, for everyone else tonight. Everybody that's here tonight, young and old, and we who are older than old, God has a specific purpose for us. I believe with all of my heart, That he has a unique purpose for us. I believe he has a divine 
purpose. And I just believe that what does God know? And God knows every one of our purposes. I can look back over my life and one more year and I'll not be able to remember to look back. But I can remember and just watch. I could write it out in detail. How that God guided and directed and protected for a time such as this. I don't think I'm unique. I think I'm just one of God's. Who he saw wallowing around dead in trespasses and sins. And reached down in the miry clay of this old world. And picked me up and set my feet on the solid rock. And established my goings and put a new song into my mouth. Even praise unto our God. And down through the ages many have seen it and turned to the Lord and trusted in his wonderful grace. I just believe tonight, if we as parents and grandparents would start looking at our children as a divine individual with a divine purpose and start molding, now not making, but just guiding in God's precepts and God's principles, not fundamental tearing their hair off and ripping their clothes off, but just guiding them in grace. I just believe God would use our kids to do great things. It's a sorry individual who is ashamed of their life that they do not want their children to carry on their legacy. I don't care if it's a carpenter. I don't care if it's a mechanic. Dear God, be proud of what God has you doing. And pass it down to your kids. I just believe that God knows what he's doing. I believe I can look back and see over these years, God's control over circumstances. I believe I can look back over these years and see God's guiding. Dear God, why would anybody leave California in August when it's 70 degrees and you're making good money? Why would anybody agree to come to Dallas, Texas and start a tool and die shop for a company in California? This is before they had jetways. I walked off that plane in Love Field about 6 o'clock in the evening. I didn't need the sweater that I was wearing. And then it started thundering and lightning. They began to talk about twisters and tornadoes. And I said, it got to be God to have me in this place. I didn't say that because I didn't even realize it. I can see God's direction. I know some of you young folk can't. See, some of you young folk think you're still in control. Yeah, you really do. You think think that you're doing your own thing. I wish I'd have thought of a purpose-driven life. Now, some of you played golf with me back when I could see the ball. Now, the purpose of playing golf back then, some of you guys just make me want to quit golf. That's why I don't ask you to go with me anymore. I won't... Go with somebody I can beat. That's the reason I quit. I can't beat anybody anymore. But back in those days, 
my intention and all of my intention was to set that little white ball on that little stool. And they call it driving. My intention was to drive or to control or to place somewhere way down yonder that ball. Now, when I swing, my problem is I'm still standing too close to the ball. But now they are smart alecks in this church. Brother Collins, Andrew, Cody, used to be Brother Terry Sears, no longer. He got the same problem I do. But my intention is to guide, even if the fairway goes to the left, to hook it around. If it goes to the right, to fade it to the right. Much like you would do a cue ball on a pool table. Now, I don't know anything about pool. Right, Jim? But that is my intention. And I've been thinking about that for a few days. And really what happened to me 74 years ago, God set me on the tee of life. God don't miss balls. God knows how to control the life. And 74 years ago yesterday, God took a swing and drove me into this thing called life. And now for 74 years, God has been guiding, directing, controlling me according to his purpose. Anybody want to get in on that? We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. That we should walk in them. Is that wonderful or what? Oh, I remember the Apostle Paul, great, great champion for God. And Paul said, I now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Now get that, bound in the spirit Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul said, I've been stopping along the way. And he told the Ephesian elders, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. And every city I've stopped in along the way. Somebody has told me that when I get to Jerusalem, they're going to bind me, incarcerate me, and persecute me. And Paul says, but uh, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto me, that I might finish my course. Finish my course. A God-ordained course. A God-ordained life that we might walk in it. Yes, strong with difficulty sometimes. And strong with misunderstanding at other times. 
strong with everything you can imagine in all of history. But Paul said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto me that I might finish my course with joy. People who's got that old smirky look on their face trying to make me think they're just doing the will of God. You're not doing the will of God. You're doing the will of you and everybody who sees you and you want them to think what a great champion you are. Finish my course with joy. Yeah. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, I just think that all of us tonight are driven or motivated by someone, something or someone. I know folks who are motivated by guilt. A lot of preachers I know, their preaching is filled with guilt to try to get folk to do something. And if they don't do something, they're not approved of God. That's the, great, that's the greatest lie hatched in hell. You don't do things because you get guilty. You do things because you love God and because he loves you. You say, well, I feel guilty when I don't do it. Well, do it. That's how you take care of that. I feel guilty when I don't do it. Do it. Feel guilty when I do. Well, don't. I know a lot of folks motivated by guilt. I first got saved. Man, I was guilty of everything he preached every time I went. There for a while, I thought he was going to start preaching on men's underwear. Because they're shorts. Every time I went, they preached against shorts, and here I was wearing them. Anybody like that? If you don't come to visitation, go soul and you're a sorry devil. No, you're not. You're just disobedient to what God wants you to do. There's a lot of ways to win souls to Christ without having a head-on conversation with somebody. Other folks are saved this morning. I bet was brought by somebody they know. And they walked down the aisle and got saved. Guess who got the credit for it? Not us. We just got to show them how to do it. Somebody else cared for them and brought them. Those are the soul winners. Those are the ones that care. And so somebody, we motivated by guilt. We're motivated by fear. And fear is a great motivator. I used to like watch Charlie Chan. Did anybody ever watch Charlie Chan? I mean the old Charlie Chan. Not the recent Charlie Chan, the old one. Anybody ever see the guy? When he was in a dark place. And suddenly his knees start knocking. And he'd say to his legs, please don't fail me now. Some folk motivated with fear. Just fear that I'm going to disappoint God. Just afraid that I'll have to stand the judgment seat of Christ. You will have to do that. But fear is a bad motivator. Some folk uh, motivated by resentment. Not too many years ago. I had no idea, but I was being investigated by the Johnson County Sheriff's Department. Uh, The sheriff was going to different people in our church and asking questions about me, trying to dig up some trash to maybe get me in trouble. Well, where they should have come is over at my house. I can tell them all the trash they want to know. (laughs) But one of our church members came to me and said, Preacher, I, I want to tell you, uh, what, there's a sheriff, what, there's a, one of the deputies is, is trying to dig up trash on you and he, he's going through the membership of the church and trying to, trying to find out some things about you because somebody had so resented uh, the stand that I'd taken and the stand that I'd taken was absolutely in error. But they were trying to get at me, trying to ruin my ministry, trying to ruin this church, trying to hurt and so she came to me and said, Preacher, uh, we've got a sheriff is, 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 is investigating you. Well, now that kind of, you know, puts a little bit of, not fear, 
but anxiety in one's heart. Because if they dig deep enough and shake enough trees, something might fall out. Thank God they didn't know which trees to shake. And I'll not be telling them which trees to shake. And so I thought to save the sheriff's department all the gas and what have you. I just went to the district attorney and I said, Dale, you, you, if you after me for something, you tell me right now. I'll try to help you with it and save you a lot of gas. <laughs> district attorney said, you crazy? I said, well, I've been accused that a couple of times. He said, are you kidding? I said, no. We have a Johnny Do-Good. Dougley Do-Right. Trying to hang something on me. He said, just a minute. And he called the sheriff. The sheriff was at the courthouse. He called the sheriff and said, Sheriff, uh, Brother Gene here, or Dr. Wolfenbarger, said that one of your one of your deputies was investigating him through his church membership. And the sheriff said, I don't know anything about it. Dr. Wimbarger, could you be down here tomorrow at nine o'clock? I said, for what purpose, please? That bush shaking deal. I didn't get on it. I said, of course, I can be here at nine o'clock. I walked in his office and there said, Dudley Do Right. Dudley Do Right was acting on his own behalf because an ex church member had threatened him with Channel 5 News. If they didn't try to blow my little deal. <laughs> you should have seen Dougley Do-Right apologizing to the reverend. <laughs> and the sheriff said, next Sunday, if you'd like, I'll come to your pulpit and apologize to your whole church member for the Johnson County Sheriff's Department. Some folks are motivated with resentment and anger. Don't come to me talking about my church members. I don't, I don't need your investigative skills to keep all of our church members straight. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. And you shake my bush and something may fall out you don't like. Some folks are motivated by a dominant spouse. What are you laughing about? Quit punching Mrs. Taylor back there, boys. Dear God, Luke has it hard enough without advertising. <laughs> Dr. Olam, a dear friend of mine, president of the college that I quituated from, he said, show me a woman that wants to do something and I'll show you a man in 30 days that'll be doing it. <laughs> now, I know some of you guys, the hair on your chest just melted. That's a fact. Now you guys, you probably wear the pants after she picks them out. <laughs> don't, don't, don't come to me and showing me the hair on your leg. Don't, don't, don't do that. But there are spouses who are so dominant, so demanding that actually It's the motivator. It's the driving force. 
Actually, it's a thing that really gets us in trouble. As I've read these verses tonight, I, I know it's late and I, I need, I, you need to go. But like, have you ever heard of this good news, bad news deal? Good news is God has a purpose for every one of us. The bad news is most never seek it or know it. God has a purpose for all of us. Ordained that we should walk therein. The good news is God did not save us just to go to heaven. God saved us to bring him glory. In this life and in the life to come. Good news is God has a purpose. Just graduated from high school. Living in California. A great job opportunity opened. Standard Oil Company. I applied for the job just as a 19, 20 year old young man. I believe with all my heart if I'd have got hired at Standard Oil. Joshua Baptist Church would never be a reality. I passed all the entrance exams. I was ready to be hired at Standard Oil. And that's like working at Alcon here. And they said, Gene, uh, you've already passed everything. You, you're, you're, you're hired. But now... As a young man, you need to take the physical exam. And as a young man with a bad back, they said, touch your toes. And I said, I can't. They said, why? I have a back injury. Sorry, we can't hire you. And all those years... Why? Why? God put me on the tee. And he's been arranging. He's been directing. He knows. He knows. You're not here tonight for any other reason but you're right in the middle of God's purpose for your life. You say, how did I get here? According to his purpose. I want to close with this. I don't know if I thought of this or not. I wish I had. But this is so true. There are three basic levels of living. And all of us are here tonight. Three basic levels of living. The first level is survival level. And it's the lowest level that we can ever accomplish. Living from paycheck to paycheck. Holiday to holiday. The next picnic or to the next picnic. The next ball game or the next ball game. We're just living from week to week. Do you know anybody who lives from paycheck to paycheck and many times in between they got to borrow money on the future paycheck. Just surviving. Just getting by. Just floating through. Vacation to vacation. Day off, day off, 
And when you're working on the job, you just work from break to break. What time is it? Dear God, that time's sure going slow. I can smell that coffee brewing now. Just hanging on till the next time you're off. Just surviving. Now, I know there's no one here tonight like that. There's no one here tonight just hanging on till the next trick. Hanging on till the next job. Hanging on. Hey, quit hanging on and start living for God. Stop living this survival kind of life. Quit just being here. My soul, get a purpose in life. Quit just hanging out. If I was most women, I wouldn't live with most men. And if I was most men, I wouldn't live with most women. First time you started nagging me, I'd give you a new address. You say you wouldn't. I would too. Life too short to just survive. Dear God, there's more to it than just surviving. God didn't pitch us down here just so we could wallow around in the filth of this old world, just getting a bean every once in a while and having a good time every once in a while and every once in a while come to the top for air. She knew that I'd been preaching on this. She would not have come. I know that. And then uh, there's not only a survival level, but there is a success level. I was talking to one of our church members one time, and I was floored when he said, before I made it, I was thus and so, before I made it. Now, I've got a car, and I've got security. I'm a success before I made it. Have you made it? You don't owe nobody? Nobody owes you? And everybody loves you? You are a success. So was Elvis. Howard Hughes did pretty good. And laying in his bed as a wild beast, his fingernails looking like an eagle's claws, long gray hair, embittered old man, laying on a bed like a maniac, an idiot, went out to meet God, a success. Are you a success tonight? Is your standard of life based on what you got and what you've managed to corral? And in the meanwhile, you lost your kids for God? A success? That's not God's plan. Success is not money. Success is not how many kids you fathered. There is another level of living, and I'm going to close because some of you look tremendously bored. That is a significant level. None of these things move me. 
Neither count I my life dear unto me that I might finish my course. A significant level. God has put us here for a specific, significant purpose. You just need to find out what that is. And everything else has got to take back seat. Don't that sound kind of reasonable to you? You see, purpose gives me significance. You are involved in the purpose of God for my life. You are what is important to me. Not what kind of haircut you have. Not whether you have hair on your face. If I could grow it, I'd certainly have hair on my head. Without you, there's no significance to my life. Do you have any significance, purpose, God-ordained reason to exist? Oh, yes, for by grace are we saved through faith. Can we say amen? Amen. And not of works. It's a gift of God. Boy, I love those verses, don't you? I have a lot of problem with that other one, though. And we are his workmanship. He's still working on me. You remember that old song? Is God working on you? Then you don't need my help, right? God can handle that job all by himself. You don't need my criticism, right? You don't need me sitting up in my high seat of judgment if God is still working on you. Amen. So don't shake any trees now. God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. And for 74 years, he put me on the tee of life in the Appalachian Mountains of Tennessee in a little country town that's not significant at all to anybody in this world. To a family of hard rock poor farmers. Just an absolutely nobody. But God hit the ball. And in the life he drove me. Oh how it hurt to leave the farm at the age of 16. To go from a high school that had 150 in the whole school to a class that had over 400 just in class. I knew nothing about games. I knew nothing about chingasos. I knew nothing about that. Till I knocked a guy off the swimming pool for talking about Tennessee. I learned about gang fights. 
Only I didn't have a game. For six weeks, my mama fed me through a straw because my face was so distorted and beat. I don't know. To California? Who'd ever thought I'd end up in Texas? Then one Thursday night, just by chance, in the bedrock of fundamentalism, in the very center of soul winning, a Baptist preacher walked in my house one Thursday night and said, if you died tonight, do you know 100% sure you go to heaven? And that night, being directed, guided, controlled, I fell off my couch and asked Jesus to save me in Texas. Oh, yeah. He's still working on me. Are you living tonight your God-given purpose and course in life? If you are, it will give you significance. Brother Jim came to our church. He had hair down to here. 17 or 18, were you not, Jim, when he came? We've had many fellows go out of our church to start churches and to pastor churches and into evangelism. And they come back and they see Jim, still second man. And they ask Jim, when are you going to cut the strings from the old man? When are you going to cut strings, Jim, and step out by faith? Jim said, I'm where God wants me to be. Jim's still drawing a paycheck. They're not. (laughs) You're welcome. Jim is living a God-given, God-purpose, God-directed life. And that's as high as a success level you will ever want to be. And all of God's people said, Now, next Sunday night, if you'll come, I'll give you some directions and some real good ideas on why it is good to live a God-given purpose in your life. Amen.